Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. All right. We're live, guys. There are there are only a few sure things in life. One of them is that we will bring you quick hits after fish shows. We might not bring you quick hits after every fish show immediately, but eventually, eventually we will bring you a quick hit. There are you can count on quick hits like you can count on the fact that every rainbow has a blue jay. Every um, single, every single one. one. Everyone. You know, it's so good they brought this song out because I was not aware of the Blue Jay thing. But now every time I see a rainbow, I'm looking for the Blue Jay. It's like it must be. <laughs> yeah, it's there somewhere. <laughs> Guys, how are you? How's everybody doing? Good. Pretty good. I'm a little tired, but I'm good. My voice same, is a little. Same, same. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm less tired probably than a person who's traveling for concerts. But I stayed up late for concerts. So kind of that's, yeah, that, that still gets one tired. I, I lost my voice the second I had to yell at RJ uh, three rows in <laughs> front of me when I was trying to get him towards us. Like my voice just goes and when it's gone, it's gone. And we're just slowly getting it back. Yeah, same. You have it back for dicks next year. Uh, there we go. 12 months um, later. 
<laughs> this is a so this is a kind of a modified quick hit approach in that we are gonna we're gonna attempt to to recap all three Nashville shows. Um, I guess we might do the same for the two Dayton shows later this week. We don't really know. We're trying to just keep everything, you know, trying to keep everything fluid um, so that we can bring everyone the most. I mean, I think if we had tried to do a quick hit for each of these shows, they would have been hard to understand and maybe even execute. So I think we're on the right path. Yeah. I like having like a narrative of like the whole little run. It's nice. All right. Well, here we are. Um, should we just dive into this? We have three nights of Nashville to discuss, and um, there's some there's some interesting stuff happening here. I guess is there any anything we need to talk about? We will be back with our forty for forty series, of course, next Friday the twentieth. We will be bringing we'll be back to three point oh. But um, at this point, you know, there's there's fish playing. So we got our first. Go ahead, Brian. Well, can I just ask, like? Yeah. It almost seems like Fish, like obviously five weeks went by, but like, do you guys feel like Fish was just on tour? Like, like, how do you guys feel when the band takes a break this short between tours? Do you feel like you're out of step listening to Fish? Do you think that like you need to kind of like reset once they come back on for an opener? Is it kind of just a continuation? Like, where where does it stand for you guys? Well, my wife sure thinks that Fish tour never ended, Um, (laughs) but I haven't listened to a lot of Fish since Fish tour ended. Uh, but it was kind of like right back in the swing. And I feel like fish felt that way too. Yeah, it was pretty, I I agree. I don't know. I had, I was not just to be fair. I was not in Colorado all weekend. I went to Colorado for one night and then I flew home (laughs) and then I was with my family all weekend, which is even more tiring than going to Red Rocks with (laughs) Megan and Brian and Ryan and all my other friends. So I just want to, I just want to be clear about that. So you're Megan on the other hand. You, on the other hand, just came back, basically. Like, yeah, I got back yesterday afternoon. Yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind, but I got to meet Brian, so you know, it was it was amazing, such a highlight for me, and so exciting to do. But yeah, I'm. I feel like Fish Tour is always on. I feel like we're always talking about fish in some way, shape, or form. But I didn't really listen to much in between the two tours. I listened to a little bit of 2012, just kind of in prep for what we have for 40 for 40. But yeah, it feels like they barely been off. I mean, Dix was not that long ago. No, I, I think I've said this before, but I'm, I'm really liking the touring model this year where there aren't mm-hmm. these huge gaps where you're like, when is the band going to play again? And you 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 think that they're going to need, you know, two to three shows to kind of get things going. You have the MSG run six weeks later, Mexico, six weeks later, spring run. Once that's done, Trey does his tour with the trio. The band is back in July. They do kind of this big chunk of tours, then SPAC, then Dicks. A couple weeks off, we get this little fall run, and then we'll have MSG to end the year. It feels like it's it caters to them where they're at in life. And from a listener standpoint, it gets us, gives us enough breaks, but enough times to like fully dive in. Like By the end of this weekend, I feel like I'm fully back in fish tour mode which will be gone a week from now, but it's really nice at this point. I, 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 I think it's a lot better for them. Oh, sorry, John. I was just going to say, I think it's a lot oh. better for them than taking like four or five months off rather than, you know, playing every, a little bit all at once is better. I, yeah, I can't dispute any of that, but I still have like new records that I haven't had a chance to get to. Um, oh, I feel that the backlog. So um, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a minute. I caught up at 3 p.m. on Thursday right before I went up to Red Rocks, and then I put 10 or 12 more albums in the queue, and now I've got to do that all over again. So it's 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 tough work, but we've got to do it. Did you get to well, this I, one yet? I did multiple times. All right. 
That's, um, if those people listening, that's Jonathan Hart's new record called So Below. Congrats. Can you find Where you. can you find that if anyone wanted to check it um, out? You can stream it on any streaming service that doesn't oh. rhyme with Codify. You can get it at jmhart.bandcamp.com. And I have CDs. There's a lot of them in this very room. And I have a few records left, too. So that means Apple Music does yeah, not there. rhyme with that. Okay, cool. Um, so I've been to Nashville a bunch over the past few years, guys. And I, I walked past the Bridgestone Arena a bunch of times. Go to the Ryman, Ascend, Amphitheater, you know, Roberts, all these places. And I was like, I wonder what they do there besides play hockey. But now Fish made their debut at Bridgestone Arena this weekend, um, which is where the Nashville Predators play hockey. You got it, right? baby. Yeah. So a new venue in Nashville. They keep like they keep hitting new venues. I mean, not really, but we first we had a send that came about what in first time in twenty fifteen. Fifteen. And now we're now we're indoors, uh downtown Nashville. And I guess should we just jump into it? I, I do want to say just in terms of listening, I did not listen to any of it until last night at seven o'clock. So I've listened to most of three shows in about fifteen hours somehow. So I'm I'm almost oh, there, nice. but I think you guys That's have great. more more thoughts that's um, impressive i mean yeah. i tried jonathan did, did you stream uh yeah i um i was actually uh at a, at a town with my family it was parents weekend uh piper's university and so i watched except for last night i was home again but uh, i watched the other two sh- first two shows from my hotel room and um we and yeah i was Saturday night, very exuberant, very excited. Friday night, I was having a good time, and uh, last night too. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wish I had been there. Yeah, um, Nashville's a great town, um, and these shows are killer. And I don't know, should we get into them? Are we ready? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. There's, I wish there was more that we could say at the beginning, but we'll save that we for could the forty. Probably 40. talk about our. Um, you know, the Osiris premium or something like that. If you really we probably could, we could probably say that if you do like supporting Osiris, you can subscribe to Osiris premium by going to osirispod.com slash premium. You get ad free content and bonus content, which we will make more of soon. Um, so, okay. This first night of there's three nights, obviously. So we're going, we're going to start with Friday as, as one does. Um, Brian, I think we can, I think later on this year, Brian can tell us what kind of, films were popular in 2023 but for now we can just get into the friday night show straight 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 away does that sound good brian old hitchcocks right now that is what is popular in 2023 but yes we can get into the music wow about it do you want me to read the first set um yes please that'd be great so we open with julius go right in the back on the train the MoMA dance into Axilla 1 with the Axilla tight Part 2 ending uh, back in the maze. Wolfman's The Greatest Cover of All Time, My Soul, Destiny Unbound, and Character Zero. Um, my initial takeaway is this is kind of how you should structure the first set of a tour. It is not taking huge risks. Some chances taken. Axilla, the playfulness there is really fun. Wolfman's Moma Dance have some cool moments. Destiny even has a little bit of space, but it's a lot of like chugal, blues rock, arena rock. It's the type of stuff that like the band can kind of play in their sleep and just allows them to warm up. People can groove. Um, it's not 
And I say this, you know, not without like an insult thrown. It's not really a set I'm going to go back and listen to, but I really enjoyed listening to it when I spun it on a Saturday morning. Um, And I think it just like allows them to set the table, jump into set two, uh, already knowing like, cool, we're hooked up. The sound's good. We feel good. You know, I, I can hear Fishman do this. I can hear Paige do this. Paige got some opportunities to like test some things out. Trey was able to sing with a little bit of range. Mike got a song in there. It's just like, it allows the band to kind of settle in, in a really nice way and just basically announce, all right, we're back on tour. Um, what do you guys thoughts? I, I just want to object to Trey singing with a little bit of range part. Everything else I completely agree with. I think it's a good song. You're, you're actually right about that. And uh, He sounds a little, and- little raggedy. Yeah, Axilla and Wolfman were my highlights. Trey's voice was not in good shape. Um, Somebody on the internets said that uh, Trey sounds exactly like the rest of us one week after an MSG show. (laughs) It's Um, so true. (laughs) I mean, he's been playing since what, like April? Yeah, like nonstop, Um, nonstop. You wouldn't know, like, I don't know if he feels poorly. You wouldn't know it from his playing, but. His, his voice was a little rough, uh, in particular on this first night. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it's a good, solid, like foundational set. Yeah, I, I agree. No, I, I think have no notes. You have no notes. I mean, it's it's the wrong axilla, but it has the right ending, so that's good. Um, Maze was really like where I heard Trey's voice struggling the most. He kind of sounds like me right now. But I've been impressed that it's kind of like improved over the three days. Like that's that's hard to do. He's obviously taking care of it. But yeah, I thought it was a good good start. I think with Destiny Unbound and then Torn and Freight in the next set, like they're doing something throughout this run, pulling out some songs they usually only play like once or twice a year, which gets people mm, excited. I mean, there's two songs in the show that I've never heard before. So, you know, it's like they're definitely pulling on their catalog and, and probably rehearsing a bit. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I definitely don't think it was like a, oh man, here we go again set. I think they were just, they were really just setting it up and... Yeah. And set two really uh, shows, I think. I I'm curious, just, just thinking out loud, uh, based on what you just said, Meg, they're playing, they're, there are definitely rarities that are being thrown out that you would expect mm-hmm. to be played during a longer tour, like, you know, throughout, like at MSG, yeah. you would you would expect that's where, like, the Torn and Frayed is dropped. But it also doesn't feel like, and who knows, maybe in six shows this will be totally wrong it doesn't feel like they're setting up for a no repeats eight show run it sounds like the spring where we got songs played in seattle and early berkeley and by the time we got to the hollywood bowl they were repeated again which personally is kind of my preference for these little runs where you get like two diseases you get a couple wolfmans you hear the band kind of evolve over the over the state of a week it doesn't feel like they're holding back a lot of big songs for later in the run it just yeah but just go on record that, you know, no repeats for a short tour is the thing they've done. They don't need to it do is. it again. That's true. Yeah. It's true. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Um, it's kind of no repeats is like extremely, it's just like passe at this point, you know? Well, it's not that hard kind for fish funny. You know what I mean? It's kind like of it's funny that it's really passe hard. and not hard anymore. It's just, yeah. it's yeah. just a thing that they've done casually. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's very out of style, probably like most of my clothes, but. Megan, maybe Megan can tell me at this point. Wait, I just want to tell you something. I I will definitely tell you if you're out of style, but I got some shade for my outfit this weekend 
from the Storm family. And this wow. is a big, a big part of a longer conversation. But apparently I thrive better in indoor concerts because the cold weather I repeated accessories and I looked too similar on two of the nights. Mm. And I'm just saying mm. this comes from the Storm family, who I love. And it hit deep. It hit deep. So now I have regret about some of my Red Rocks outfets. I'm just saying. Uh, Megan, you just set the bar high for yourself. Is that's Thanks. the only Thanks, thing. Jonathan. Like if okay. you were like me, everybody would expect you to be wearing the same hoodie every day for a month and it would be fine. Can, I'll, I'll just say that, can I'll just say that Ryan's fashion advice. Well, <laughs> but they know, can, but they do it politely. Yeah, they were well, they were kind of both like mm, when I saw them at set break. When I saw her at the beginning of the show and I didn't have my coat on yet, she thought it was a great outfit. But then when I, I saw her at set break, she's like, You look the same as you did on right. Thursday night. Ryan Storm's influencer fashion is something to be uh, just in awe of. I'm, um, I, I learn something really new every time I see him at a run. No, I, I get the same uh, critiques. People are like, another collared flannel at an 80-degree concert? Like, what is going on here, man? So I mean, I it's, it. it's hard, you know, when you have really high standards for yourself. But RJ, you look great. You always look great. You looked great in my coat this weekend. Thank you. Can I just say that I'm not... Brian, no offense, but I'm not taking this like long sleeve shirt advice from you anymore because everyone was like, Red Rocks, it's going to be freezing. And I brought my my Patagonia like thing and I ended up just using it as a place to put on the thing to put on the bench because I just wore a t-shirt and I was fine. I was comfortable the whole night. Look, I don't want to be rude here, but in many <laughs> ways you missed Friday night at Red Rocks. And exactly. one of those ways that you missed Friday night at Red Rocks was the weather was quite cold throughout mm-hmm. that was not hey, the only um, thing you missed but you know that was a part of it i just like to tell our listeners that this sort of extremely off-topic conversation is is the kind of thing that you can get in a very entertaining format in uh osiris premium in the hf pod bonus episodes <laughs> it's uh, pretty much all, right. all we do in those can we please talk about this set two of set two one? set two got a jabu into oblivion torn and frayed light into fuego into Say It To Me Santos. Encore, bouncing around the room into 46 days into Run Like an Antelope. Um, my only real comment on this, and like I said, I kind of hurried through these shows because I had to. I just, I was really kind of stunned with uh, the patience that I heard in this Oblivion jam. It was just like, I don't know. They, Trey didn't say it, I don't think, over the three nights, but it definitely had that, like, we don't really have anywhere to go for a few days vibe, you know, that yeah. that, you, that he would he would point out at times in the past. But um, really great um really fun fun set but that was that jam just really man took a while in a good way the jam is killer um but i don't want to let it overshadow the absolute gorgeous got a jabu the peak jamming in that jabu jopens the set is so good that they could have played a pretty rote second set throughout and i would still be sitting here talking about how awesome that got a jabu is um Oblivion, of course, is great and uh, nice. And I'll, I'll let Brian's probably and Megan, they probably have extensive notes. So I'll let them go on about it. But I just want to hear stand up here and say that Jabu is killer. And the Torn and Frayed call mm-hmm. after uh, Oblivion is killer. And I feel like the rest of the set is solid. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of what you guys have said. I mean, I think the patient aspect is a really good comment. Um, this this show, this 
I, I guess the whole run uh, really kind of reinforces a thought I've had throughout the year that these eight show runs seem to be where the band excels. Um, you think about the MSG residency, you think about the spring tour. Um, there, there seems to be something about where they have more than four nights. You know, they do like the isolated four nights MSG, isolated four nights Mexico, um, four nights at Dick's. And there's potentially a lot of pressure of like, we got to get all these songs in. We got to immediately capitalize. This eight show run allows that like, if there's a risk that's taken and it doesn't totally work out, they're going to another city two nights later and they can play there. They, they've got a couple more shows after this, but it's also contained that like, they don't have to work themselves up to being on the road for four weeks. So it's really just like, mm. it's that perfect vacation length that a lot, you know, like a long weekend vacation versus like a 10 day vacation. You you're in vacation mode and then you're out of it. It's just enough. And it feels like this sort of tour structure helps them there. So, um, Page throughout the Jabu, throughout the Oblivion, from a patient standpoint, from inserting his synthesizers, like these kind of washes of sound behind the band. It seemed like something that has been toyed with throughout the year, both in kind of the darker, more textural jams of the spring and the kind of brighter, you know, peaking jams of the summer. And it seemed to like find this new space where the band was in absolutely no rush to find the peak, but was playing around with each other and like, you know, kind of having a musical conversation as they were getting there. You heard this a lot through Dick's, like the sand at Dick's was really emblematic of this. And it's just a sound space that like feels like the band is fully in control of the technology that they have in front of Mm -hmm. them. Um, You're hearing Trey hit the synth pedal, but not like, you know, 2021 where it was every part of a jam he'll like kind of dabble in it and then he'll step back mike has a few more moments john fishman like there's just i don't know what else to say about him at this point in time it's every single jam he's behind the scenes just like you know pulling this lever and doing this like he's making everything happen uh i this oblivion is like Is, is, is it like a top, top jam of the year? No, but it's like the first night and the band like absolutely locks in and connects over 22 minutes that like I'm going to re-listen to a ton of times. Like that to me is setting the bar extremely high for the year when you get something like this on night one. Yeah, it's funny that you say that about the technology because I hadn't thought about that, but it seems really true. Like they don't seem to be like relying on any certain crutch when they're jamming. Like all these jams totally. over these three nights sound totally different and interesting and a lot of them aren't, you know, this is the only 22, like over 20 minute jam of the weekend, but I was looking and there is like such a massive list of jams, like Jabu and Light from the first night, you know, Stash, Mel, Cities, I Always Wanted It This Way, and Birds of a Feather, Wave of Hope, Golden Age. They're all like under 20, but they're all between that like 12 to 19 range. And they just are super interesting, all of them. And like, I think the openness and the communication between them is something that that just kept coming back to me. It just seemed really effortless in a way that was exciting and just, it seems like a band that's very comfortable, you know? And yeah, the Jabu, I agree, gorgeous, beautifully delicate, just sounded so easy and breezy. It was just beautiful. And I loved how the Oblivion like went into this like really groovy, dancey jam, which is so funny after such a like dark song. That's one of my favorite things when Fish does that, turns like a dark song into like a beautiful, happy, fun jam. And the synths just dropping in and yeah, a fishman, this whole run, I just, it was so fun that I got to stream last night because I could actually watch him. And it's sometimes I just want the camera to be on him for the entire show. Cause I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, it's so interesting. And he's just always doing these like fills that just kind of like, I don't know, make the space feel open, but also like 
driving at the same time. It's incredible. But I loved the end too of Oblivion. That last like little bit was just like, it was really cool. What were you going to say, Brian, before I talk about anymore? That's such a good point about Fishman. And that's like, I feel like it's something that can't go unnoticed. Like a, a lesser drummer would do the same things he's doing and it would sound cluttered behind the scenes. Like somehow yeah. the way he hits his drums, like the pacing, whatever, I don't know. I, I know nothing about drumming, but like, it sounds like there's something constantly going on, but it's not something that's in your ear that's taken away from what the other members are doing. I, that's, that's just, I don't I have no idea how you do that. It's next level. I don't know. He's amazing. But yeah, I'm chasing Torn and Frage, so I was kind of sad. I really wanted to hear that at MSG, but it's okay. Tenth time played. It's just such a good cover. It's so beautiful. And then the light yeah. is actually really pretty too. It gets like contemplative and hopeful and yeah. So it's it's a beautiful set. It's really nice. I mean, for a first night of a tour, that's a really good second set. Solid encore too, by the way. Uh, but like nice. forty six days mm-hmm. is like so short. Um, like, I guess let's play forty six days. But thank you for bouncing. Uh, not thank you for bouncing. Well, thank you for bouncing too. But thank you yeah. for Antelope to wrap it up. Yep. No reason to play that song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, for those of you listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm going to start doing this actually so that we can continue to support our show but for those of you watching the break will go by very quickly i'm going to do can i do a little bit of what they call log rolling in the industry do it um i just wanted everyone to know that i'm gonna um i'm taking on a new um a new challenge soon and i'm gonna be um heading up this nonprofit that focuses on food advocacy and there's a bunch of podcasts and events and stuff that they do it's called heritage radio network and so i think there will be some some crossover with osiris at some point but um if you i just wanted to mention that in case anyone like sees that on the internet but i'm not i'm not going to be leaving the helping friendly podcast i will always have time for you you three especially but also for all of our listeners so that's all sweet congrats rj happy for thanks. you yeah congrats thank, thank you yeah. Big congrats thank yeah you. it's gonna be awesome they're lucky to have you Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So, Saturday, they come back to Bridgestone Arena once again. Um, thunk it. Yeah, they came back. <laughs> I assume all the, the fans came back too. 2001 opener into Gumbo, Beauty of My Dreams, Mall into 2001, into Mall, Dirt, Stash, Ether Edge, about to run, split open and melt. This is a hell of a hell of a set. I have a bunch of thoughts, but I just want to say I think it's cool that they like the 2001 sandwich here is great, but the other observation I have from this show and I'll, we can talk more about the jams, but I like that they're like working in mall and I always wanted it this way. And some of the other, other band members songs, not just like a, the now let's play a mic song, but it's kind of like woven into the textures of the, of the show. It's pretty cool. But this, this 2001, like, you know, it's kind of like half the set. Um, in and out of, of these other songs is pretty cool. But there's some other stuff that they jam, I think. Jonathan, do they jam? They do jam. I mean, it's worth noting that this, uh, per all available records, is the 2001st show. 
So they open with a 2001 that is, I it's it's a it's a high point on the list of 2001s. Like, and certainly in the three slash 4.0 era, this one is way up there. It's great, and they 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 let it breathe, and they let it groove, and it's killer. It's just just super good. Um, and they could have you know just done nothing else except for the closer and it would still be, you know, pretty huge show or set. But yeah, the, the song selection throughout the set is pretty good. The, uh, I'm here for beauty of my dreams. The mull 2001 mall is perfect. Like it's worth noting. They don't just sandwich it, but they segue beautifully mm-hmm. in and out. Like the drop back in the mall is just, wow. And they are all on it. Um, the stash is really, it's really good, you guys. I, I know I texted you all, even though some of you were seeing some other sort of concert or whatever. But like the stash is so good. It is like I've listened to it six, seven times since it happened, including when it happened. And um, it just, very quickly, you can hear Trey is going to go for it. And they, they do that a lot. Stashes have been pretty good in this era, um, even if they aren't all like big, long versions. But this one, I think, is really the cream of late. Um, it just it hits hard. It peaks nice. And I love it. And then um, Ether Edge is nice. About to run rips. Great arena rock. And Split Open and Melt is absolutely insane. I know others will have notes on it, so I won't go long here. But like, there are these uh, um, rhythm switches, tempo shifts throughout. Uh, it just, I mean, how long does this thing go? It's only like 18, it's almost like, 19 It's almost 19. Mm-hmm. And it's just mind-boggling and i was watching this as i said before in a hotel room with my airpods on my son is watching a batman movie over there and i'm just like waving my hands in the air with absolute joy at what is happening knowing that this is a thing that everybody in the room is getting this is this is a big deal this split up in a melt because they've been doing this well too this one rises to the top. It's super good. I want to hear what you guys think about it. I want I want to just note, I just looked this up. We got the the only the fifth Beauty of My Dreams since uh, the 3.0, 4.0 era. We got um, 1231, 2010, 1028, 2016, 112, 2018, 1015, 2021, and here 10, 7, 20, 23. So big rarity for a lot of fans and uh shout out to to uh to Dell uh as at the start of that. Um uh Mall, 2001 Mall was killer. I mean 2001 openers are incredibly rare when they happen. I don't have the immediate stats up, but once you start to hear the last one I think was the numbers show, uh 102821. Um once you start to hear just like the textures and like the space and the effects that they're playing, like it just adds a different feel to the start of the show versus, you know, your standard kind of like power rock song that the band will kick things off with. Big um, difference to Julius opener. Quite, quite a big difference. Yeah. Very, very big uh, vibe shift. Um, the stash and the split up and melt. I mean, stash has had a very good, 
good year. I think that, you know, when you 2021 seemed to be the high point for it of recent years and this version, the Burgettstown version, the Mexico version, it's now kind of in that same sort of stratosphere as we were two years ago. It's pretty amazing what they're doing with this song. Um, a song that just keeps giving and giving and giving 30, 40 years later. Um, uh, really cool version that got really dark, got really rhythmic. Um, Stash is kind of always seen as that like early in the tour. Let's just throw this song out there just to see how we're playing, how our chops are. And as we talked about with night one being both foundational setting, but also like, oh, wow, you guys are already taking those chances. It kind of allowed them to just stretch their legs a little bit on this stash in a really nice version. Um, the melt, though, I mean, we're in one of the all-time, probably the all-time era of split open and melt since Pages synthesizers were added, uh, you know, in such a high degree uh, during the Baker's Dozen. I can't really think of a melt that's not worth listening to since 12, 29, 2017. Um, it's just that song fits the band's style right now. The thing I liked about this version, uh, we had a very strong version to close out 9-1-23, uh, the second night of Dicks, that got very dark, very dissonant, kind of terrifying at times. This was the opposite. Like This employed the same effects and the same weird washes of sound but at one point, a buddy of mine texted me. Was like, "This sounds like a light jam. Like it was bright and it was mm. it was rhythmic and it was energized and it was just like this is coming out of split open and melt. Like how how are you guys capable of experimenting in the same fashion, but a completely different style of music? So that type of stuff just like indicates to me that the band is at a very high level of playing together, high level of communication, and. Um, those were probably my two my two biggest highlights um, with Split Open and Melt being uh, my favorite jam from the overall show. When, when Trey starts playing really kind of slow, patient lines over the band and it's more frantic, split open and meltish kind of intensity uh, during this one is, I think, probably, I, I wish I had a timing in front of me, but it's probably one of my highlight bits that's like, and that's probably around when your friend is like, what? Because it was, he was playing this like major key, beauteous kind of thing. Yeah. And they're like grinding away at the weird mm-hmm. underneath. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I just, I, I want to just, I think this split up and melt is very different than most of the monster split open melts that we've gotten recently. Yeah. It's like, it's more like a tweezer or like a wave of hope or, or like one of those improv vehicles. Cause usually they, they, what people, I think what we as fans love about split open and melt jams is that they are like weird noise. It's like when fish gets the weirdest. Right. And it just, yeah, like, exactly. It gets crazy and insane, but this version is like, it's much more exploratory and it's not just like, here's all the noises and then bringing it back to the close. It's, it's got, different dynamics it's got different tempos as you mentioned um jonathan via text i think it's just like it's it's much more like a typical jam vehicle in a good way than it is like a typical split open and melt i think it it's this, and if you're this version for, is gonna require going back to if you're looking for typical split open and melt sounds that's the next night we'll get to that yeah exactly <laughs> i love this first set i mean i think 2001 is an opener. Whenever I hear 2001, I think it's like the best thing I've ever heard because I love to dance to the song. So 
I was listening to this on the drive back um, from Fort Collins to Denver, and I was chatting with my friend who I don't get to see a lot, and we kept having to stop and say, this is, seems like a really good 2001. Like, this seems better than usual, and it's a little bit longer. It's great. But I think the whole set just sounds really inspired. I think they're, especially the end when they've got Stash, you've got this classic song followed by, like, a really new song, then, like, Arena Rock Tray, and then this incredibly exploratory split open and melt. It's just, like, kind of exactly what you want. And especially in a first set, it's like so incredible. But I loved the stash peak. Perfect placement for Ether Edge. This song is gorgeous and like fits so well there. It's like so beautiful. And then you write back, build it right back up and Trey's just totally possessed during about to run. I mean, he is just like going nuts. So fun to listen to. And then I love the split up in a melt too. I think what was cool about it, it's a lot of what you guys have already said, but it's so powerful and authoritative and rhythmic and it has that kind of like ability to move forward and feel urgent, but also have texture and layer, which I think is very challenging to do. And so few bands can do that. It's either one or the other. Like you're either in a groove and in a rhythm or you're doing soundscapey textured layered things. And Fish is the only band I know that can do both. It's incredible. I do like the set listing, uh, just as I'm looking at it here, of the end of the first set, where you have Stash and Split Up and Melt, two songs from the early 90s uh, from a record standpoint, and then Ether Edge and About to Run, two songs that did not exist in 2018 Fish. You know, like, these are, we're just seeing, like, him still be able to fit in new songs around old songs and it fits somehow and that's that's a rare thing like a lot of bands when they debut new songs they are the like outliers within a set list Mm -hmm. and people go to the bathroom or people go get another beer and like they're fitting this into a set in a way that doesn't have a lot of precedent like ether edge has been played once before about to run has been played i don't know 20 times before i don't have the stats in front of me but like these are songs that fit really nicely in the overall arc of the set this whole show as we're going to get into when we talk in the second set here in encore but like just isolated this first set just has that narrative arc that i'm looking for where it doesn't really matter what they play because whatever they play seems to to fit nicely yeah and i don't know if this is like a real thing but anytime i hear stash and then split open and melt later in the same show i know that split open and melt is going to be fucking great like the first night of msg like i don't know if there's just some weird thing but they they like each other i don't know <laughs> this feels like something we should test. Yeah. They like each other. Um, well, I think there's some there's some s- similar, but never mind. I'm not going to even say because I'm not a music person. Okay. So set two, <laughs> life-saving gun into sand and everything's right. Into cities, into llama, performed in an alternate arrangement, which I would have just said slow llama. Slow um, llama. I always wanted it this way. Bug, encore, lonely trip, Harry hood. Um, we had a comment earlier, best second set of the year. Mm. So we can we can we can use that to uh, you know guide our journey. But um, yeah, I, I think the um, man the cities is the cities into the slow llama is really pretty amazing. But um, I can talk more about that. But what what were your highlights, Brian? Um, cities slow llama and I always wanted this way like that segment reminded me of um the uh opening trio of uh Dick's Night 2 second set the sand no men into fast llama um where you just got and I kind of talked about this at the end of the first set here but like I'm never going to write a dream 
set list and put cities, llama, and I always wanted it this way in the middle <laughs> of the second set. Not because I don't no. want them, but just like it's just not where my head's going to go when you think about like what will make a really good second set. The magic of this band endlessly is we're just going to throw things together and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In this moment, it completely worked. Uh, this cities was for me right there with the Hollywood Bowl version uh, from the spring, which if, if anyone out there is unfamiliar with, I, I cannot recommend enough going back and listening to it. Go back and watch it. It happens at like this really beautiful, that, that show started an hour earlier than the first two nights. So it's like right at sunset, spring in the Hollywood Hills, just a magical, magical moment, beautiful jam. This was a slightly different uh, take on the Extended Cities Jam, a little bit more rhythmic, uh, a little bit more kind of upbeat, less kind of mellow and blissful, but it worked just brilliantly into Llama. It was one of those segues that as I was watching it, I was like, oh, cool, new section of a jam. And then I was like, wait, I recognize this. And then Trey played the riff and I was like, oh my God, you just fell into slow llama out of this jam. How does that happen? Like when that stuff happens, that is a complete arrow with the dash. Um, uh, the only other thing I'll say is like, I, I really like that, um, like life saving gun, sand, everything's right. Neither of those really got out there, but I really like having life saving gun being used as the second set opener. Um, that's one of my favorite songs off the January record and would love to see that kind of given the treatment that the well got at the man where we just like, w- what is possible with the song when it goes 15, 20 minutes? Um, everything's right had a very sleek segue into cities. Um, at that point in time, I felt like the set could kind of go one of two ways either just like a lot of songs after each other but like that patience rj talked about at the start of this um you've you felt it immediately they kind of slowed down cities brought it back for the final verse and once they brought it back they were at this pace that allowed them to just kind of explore what the other guys were thinking what everyone was feeling um I don't know if I would say that this was the best second set of the year, but I thought that this was one of the strongest second sets of the year uh, and one that you just press play on Life Saving Gun and there's no reason to hit the next button. There's no reason to log off to listen to another record. It's 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 a full, complete statement. I yeah, love I'd Life Saving to. Gun. Go ahead, John. Then you can go first. No, I just want to interject that our our commenter has amended their statement to. to oh, I see that now. Best first set of the year. My bad. I'm like, oh, yeah, way to backpedal, guy. Um, but don't worry, we're not going to really hate on this set, so you won't look too bad. Go ahead, Megan. I was just say I have to echo what Brian said. I think "Life Saving Gun" is an incredible song, and opening the second set with it is so perfect. I can't wait till this just blows out and turns into a huge jam vehicle. But I thought the set, the beginning of the set, is interesting because "Sand Everything's Right" like can be pretty big jam vehicles. So I wonder if they're kind of looking, you know, for that for that bigger jam. If that was something they were like waiting to find, and I love them when they play cities and then they find it, and it's just. Yeah, the layered sound. Page on piano, I just want to shout out in Cities. He sounded unbelievable, just gorgeous. And there was just such a swirling, like looping build that was so beautiful in this song. And yeah, like when they fall back into that groove and find Slow Llama, I'm just going to say it, which is probably not going to be a surprise to anyone who knows my goose takes, but I like Slow Llama better than Fast Llama. And I guess I just like my stuff slow, but this is so great. And I feel like RJ, when you were saying, I was thinking about you when I was listening to this last the other day, because you were saying that like a lot of people, or maybe you, when you went to see like a lot of 97 fish were like, thought the tempo, like that dramatic shift in tempo was like a little boring because it was like a lot of similar, like the cow funk was like all a lot the same. 
but this is like the tempo that I like to have my fish in. <laughs> so I'm like, this is great. Like play this kind of shit all the time and I'll be super happy. So I loved this set. I thought it was great. The ending is like super dramatic, big like page on the organ. And then it's just perfect ending in like I always wanted it this way with like the shimmery synths and this like glistening build. It's just really triumphant and it's great. Actually gets out there a little bit too, which is fun. Yeah. I would push back about them playing this tempo all the time, but I know they won't. So. <laughs> all the time, but a lot. I um, like it. No, I know. That's fine. And they're not going to anyways. So um I know. But I do keep just love this set. Um they're it's kind of like they're uh surfing and they're just, you know, out there trying to catch the right wave mm-hmm. and they they get some short rides and uh, like in sand and everything's right. And then it really, they really take off in cities. And the cities, just in the song itself, is just really well executed. Like, it just lands super well. Um, and then the jam is just, it's great. And it's not, you know, a 25-minute jam, and it doesn't need to be. Just like the everything's right, it kind of gets out. It's only 10 minutes, but it kind of, like, micro jams. And, you know, it has, it has its thing. And um, I... I just adore this entire set, though. It flows so well for me uh, that Brian kind of nailed the description of the drop into the slow llama. I think that is perfectly, it was perfectly placed, perfectly played. I love, I always wanted it this way. I really like its appearance here in the second set. Trey goes off on this one, by the way. Go back and listen to some of the the breaks in that, and he he really goes off kind of late in this version. And then Buck, I uh, a a guy that I think we all kind of know through podcast and fish scene. But I will allow him to remain nameless. Is was on the rail for this show and was very excited and proud of how quickly he got to the bathroom during Bug before anybody else posted about it on the internet and i'm like okay well i like bug but that's fine you do what you do but they fish played an outstanding and well-earned walk-off bug first time it's ever closed a second set and it is awesome just perfect arena rock peaks to finish out a great set um and yeah well-earned and then an outstanding encore to wrap it up. Lonely trip starts, you know, something mm. else is going to follow it. Um, and lonely trip is chill. And this Harry hood, they could have done the most like typical, awesome Harry hood. Instead, they push that a little right. bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty Just incredible. Just incredible. I, this is this. I, I think I texted you, this to you guys or maybe somebody else. This is the kind of fish show that is the reason I listen to every fish show. This one really gets this, there. This is the most effusive I've ever seen you on the text chain. You were you were pumped. It was awesome. Yeah, and I was into it, it and I was all alone. Yeah. Th- <laughs> and this is the only this is the first time it's been in the encore lonely trip too, which is great. Cool. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know if that's really. Oh no, it's check. one other check. time. You're right. You're right. One other check. time in 1023, 2001. 21. Chula. Um, Chula. That's right. Yeah. Brian's show. Now I know. Yeah. I think (laughs) the point you just made, Jonathan, I think is, is, is astute. Like these are the shows are the reasons why we, uh, 
listen to every fish show um, because yeah. sometimes it just all kind of falls together and it just happens. And again, like you can't really, there's a reason why like, I, I, like I love the analysis game with this band. I don't love the prediction game because the prediction game, even if you're right, may end up turning into the worst show that you could have ever seen because like the band just may not play those songs incredibly well. Um, oftentimes like these sort of surprise sets that just come together and they find these pockets of inspiration. But then like you think back on the whole thing, you're like, well, actually that like really flowed together. It just, to me, the perfect fish sets sound like an album where maybe the first time through you're like, I don't know if that's the right second track. I don't know if that's the right fifth track, but then you finish the album. You're like, wait, 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 wait. I need to go back and re-listen to that because that actually, that second track set up what happened in track seven, eight, and nine, or well, you know, whatever it may be. Like there's something about a set like this that just flows well. And the hood could have just been as straightforward. It could have been like the Dick's Night 4 version, you know, for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes. And instead they had... It's it's the type of performance that feels like the band has no place else to be and does not want to leave the stage. And that curfew that's lingering, they don't even care about it. And, you know, it's just they're just adding an additional like three or four minutes of exploration and conversation, and that's everything. Speaking of more conversation, we have one more show to discuss here, which is last night, Sunday night. Um Three in a row, and I, I, you'd think that they would be tired. I would I would certainly be tired if I were them or if I was anyone in the audience. I'm tired already, and I didn't even go to these shows. But they came out, and I, I guess the first set, I because I did a hurried listen, I looked at the first set and was like, eh, maybe I'll just go to the second set. But I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you guys should tell me if if what's you know what's going on here in the first set that's worth revisiting. But um, they open with Buried Alive into ACDC Bag per the per the 90s um into free sightless escape undermined into yamar beauty of a broken heart hey stranger taste evolve ghost what do we got it's a songy set um which we hadn't that's a phrase i hadn't said yet this (laughs) this episode um i think that for the most part you know i think it's good songs uh my wife uh heard hey stranger for the first time and she didn't love it she's like i don't know about this song um but honestly i think that i think this set is fine ghost is where it's at that's my highlight this ghost is it's not super long but it really uh kind of holds up with the stock kind of set of ghosts you know the first set not super extended uh, sort of goes this one's what at 13 minutes and it it gets out there a little bit enough that you go wait is this this was ghost um that happened to me i'll, I'll say and uh it yeah it's it's entertaining so if you don't have time to listen to this whole set you should still definitely listen to the ghost yeah i feel very similar um it's these sets happen pretty regularly in fish history it's kind of what balances out the like second set first set from the night before where it's just like and, and even the second set from this show um these this band writes songs and they want to play none of songs. it's bad i just want to say although my wife would argue against a stranger as i said but none of it's bad it's just you know it's not i i don't feel the need they're a rock band who writes like songs and so 
And so they play certain sets that have that feature those songs. Like it's just it's a natural part of this band's evolution. I, I agree with you. Like these aren't the sets I go back and listen to, but it's not a bad set. Um they didn't play poorly. Uh there's some cool experimentation undermined. Um Hey Stranger is only the third performance. We got a really nice one, um, 1229, 2022. Uh it was played at the Trey Trio shows the final night that I saw here in Denver and it was played for 15 minutes um so it definitely has potential for like that groove and you heard it a little bit here where they were kind of getting outside of the pocket of it um it was also played in Wilmington at the Storm Shortened show so um we've got 20 show gaps between every performance kind of a weird uh little factoid in its early in its infancy here in the fish world um not my favorite song but I I think the groove um uh, adheres to them giving it a little bit more of a, of a trial here in the next year or so. Um, Evolve uh, is perfect and can be played at any point in any show. And I will, I will not complain. I love that song. Uh, and the ghost to your point, Jonathan, like usually we get this set closing ghost and it immediately goes into like D major and it peaks and the white lights and everybody's happy. But like you listen back and is there a lot there? It's kind of like eating, you know, French fries, like tastes good. Does it really feel good, you know, type of thing? Um, sometimes going down, it does. Uh, but this ghost kind of makes a left turn. It goes into this weird, atypical kind of dark space. It's a bit aggressive. Um, sounds like, you know, Trey's like leaning into distortion. Uh, the band's playing really, really uh, intensely. And then it still finds its way into that, uh, you know, re- expected but you know earned peak at the end i liked this version a lot i went back and listened to it this morning and thought that there was a bit in there that like the track time the placement just looking at it on paper you may be like i can probably skip that i've heard that before promise there are segments of this you haven't heard that are at least worth listening to so recital sunday night first set some great highlights you know can't ask for that it's, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, it was all, it was all a bit mid tempo, you know, but the yeah. energy was fine. It wasn't slow. And I discovered something totally insane about my own stats last night during the set. And I texted Brian about this, but I have not seen ACDC bag live since 12 30 97. Not really Is- going to top that version. So I think that they're just like being <laughs> kind to you and holding that off. They're just like, you'll never have, I didn't even know that. I just looked it up. I was like listening to the show and I thought, I feel like I haven't heard bag in a long time. And then I looked it up and I was, it was crazy because they play it like a couple times a year and I've just missed it. And the last time I've seen one was in 1.0. It just seems wild. But anyway, it was fun to hear that old school opening. And I think playing a song like Sightless Escape too is cool. Again, they've only played this once before, four years ago at Dick's. So it's like still in that like love and light vein, but you know, it has like a darker undertone and it could be cool to have them play that again. But again, speaks to them like pulling stuff out of their catalog that they haven't played in a while, which I'm always in, in favor of. And yeah, the Evolve is Evolve's a masterpiece. And I think it's like Tom and Trey at their most refined, most elegant, just absolutely classic, beautiful song. And I thought the ghost had like a little growly tone to it. It's like a little bit like grittier and darker, which was fun. I mean, it makes me sad when Ghost is played at the end of a set, one, because... It's not going to go anywhere good, but you know, it's kind of a waste, but it's okay. I think this one did go somewhere good. It just didn't stay there long. I know, but you know, it's not going to be able to stay there long. So then it's like, well, great. We're going to go somewhere great, but then you're going to have to be like, get in the car. We're leaving. And you're like, but I just got here. It looks awesome. (laughs) No, you got to go. It's like driving to a waterfall and then being like looking at it out the window. 
and then being like, all right, come on, we're going. We saw it, we're going. It's the National Park family road trip where (laughs) you you take a picture of the Badlands. It's like, do you realize what's in front of you? No, no, no. We got to get going. We got to see Crazy We're moving. We got to see Wally World. Exactly. (laughs) I I just want to take issue with Brian's position on French fries real quick. Um, I mean, I love French fries, but I'm just being realistic that they they don't usually feel good on the other side. French fries, like sweet potato cumin. Your your health issues. Sweet potato cumin dusted. Fries. They were so good. Um, Megan, I just want to tell you, I've seen ACDC bag 14 times since they came back in 2009. Like, it really makes like, no sense. Even, it, it makes no sense. I don't understand how those possible. were in 2009. No, a lot of them. I saw them. <laughs> some two shows. I saw two shows in a row last summer. Um, I mean, not I don't back know. Back, I mean, it's it's very weird. So I've seen 72 shows altogether. It's not that many, but only six of them had bag in them. That's crazy. And all in that one is, point out. That is not. It's a weird is, stat, right? That's an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we will talk more about this. Maybe we can bring that to the to our bonus episode, our anomalies. All right. Oh, Set to birds of feather, wave of hope, cinnamon girl into golden age, into the well. You enjoy myself. Encore the howling into Susie. Um, I just want to. I, I just like man. They were just really full on raging these jams. Like every jam, the end of the yeah. golden age into the well was just. Oh, wild it's but, amazing um, you guys probably have more coherent thoughts than that uh yeah i just I, love gonna, this that go ahead jonathan you go first well yeah i, I want to take it out of order because rj mentioned the uh the end of the golden age and that is what i was alluding to when i mentioned the uh split open and melt jamming because it was a lot like a split open and melt jam um in that it was just like all kinds of sounds thrown at you all at once gets very intense and grinding and weird and good. But um, backing up birds of a feather rips good, like high velocity jam. Great way to open a second set wave of hope. It's somehow only 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. How it, it is that longer. possible? I don't know. Listen I don't to know. It. it is a full on journey. From again, high velocity, that's where Wave of Hope starts, right? And takes you into the ether. Like it ends with like full on dissolution to space. Like, wow, totally great. And then out of nowhere, like you want to talk about prediction game? Out of nowhere, Cinnamon Girl, first time since the Baker's oh, so What? Come on. Um, then that golden age, uh, which rips the well, which is just like, let's just keep it dark. And then, um, because maybe you haven't had enough fish yet this weekend, here's the, you enjoy myself and super cool. Uh, somebody, I guess it's fish.net notes that, uh, Trey, Trey sang part of the seven below melody in the vocal jam. So almost got a seven below, um, <laughs> cool, Watch cool out. set. Much ever sitting below, everybody. <laughs> very, yeah, very cool it. set. I think the the birds of a feather was such a silky, like smooth jam. It just seemed like just coming out of them. It didn't even seem like they were trying at all. And the wave of hope reminded me a little bit of the jabu. Like it had that real delicacy to it. I just was watching Trey. He just seemed like he was barely putting any weight on the strings. It felt really floaty, but then also had this like rich toneness to it. And I just wanted to put up. Um, 
audio funk dialects quote here because he was talking about the drumming that Fishman is doing. He says, so in drumming, there's something called ghost notes that are very low in the mix, usually because they're barely hitting them, but he's an absolute master at them and and he's keeping a bed. So that's, I think, what was happening too. He was just doing these runs and thanks for that comment because it's really helpful to understand that. It's just, Mm -hmm. I don't understand how he does that, but that makes sense that there would be like this underlying lower end, you know, ghost idea of notes that like you don't hear as much. And it just, that's what adds that kind of like texture. And yeah, I love how this devolves into like those huge soundscapes. It's so textured and amazing. And I would die to hear Cinnamon Girl live. Like I would, I would die. I would be so happy. I want to dance to the song. It was perfect placement, perfect pick, just like perfect to come out of like a really like textured weird jam and then just drop into this like rocker. So great. And the golden age just totally blew me away. It was like a soundtrack to a robot movie. It was like not evil. Like it didn't sound like that evil dark fish always. It had more of like an artificial, like untrustworthy. I don't know. I'm reading a book about AI. So maybe that's why I'm feeling like that, but it has that weird kind of like feeling to it. But then again, Fishman picks up the pace, like a total animal and builds like all this major tension. And Kuroda was doing like wild stuff, like spinning the LEDs and pulsing them out. Mm. And it was just, it was a perfect journey. It was so great. And the ending section is like, super trippy and then going into the the well that segue was and it was rough but it wasn't really a segue it was more like a descent it was like you got thrown into the well it wasn't like <laughs> you didn't like I jump in <laughs> fishnet needs to update this to just like the it, it was it was yeah. a fade this was not a segue um, yeah no they got really dark, yeah. weird and then kind of wound down and then the well started yeah yeah, and Trey wanted to play the well, and so we were Trey we were getting to. the well. It was happening. It was going to happen. Um, I just want to ask Meg if they played Cinnamon Girl for you, mm-hmm. could you be happy for the rest of your life with a Cinnamon Girl in the second set? Yeah, I think I would be. It would okay. be all I need. <laughs> just cross referencing over here. Um, wow! Wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm so ready I mean, for that. I'm so ready for a cinnamon girl in the second set. I'm a bit slow ready for it, but you know, um, no, I you're so this, ready too. I know. <laughs> I I feel like it's. I, I don't have the numbers on this, but to have two second sets back to back that flow like this, it's it's not a it's not a guarantee with fish. Um, you know, oftentimes you'll get a really strong second set. And then the next show will have some moments, but may not be fully connected. It just, it's just the, mm-hmm. kind of the weird amorphous nature of when this band takes a stage and when they, they do whatever they do, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. To have two second sets like this that are unpredictable from a set listing standpoint, Birds of a Feather, I don't know the last time it opened a second set, but it is not a very common second set opener uh, these days. Uh, a Wave of Hope has been in that role many times over the last two years to great success. Cinnamon Girl, as you guys are saying, kind of begs the question, why has this only been played three times? It is like on par with like rock and roll with Good Times, Bad Times. It's just like this is a cover song that should be just like in Fish's arsenal. Um Golden Age was my favorite jam of the weekend. Um, you know, kind of big picture, like my favorite jamming of the year thus far came in the spring tour. It was very textural. It was dark. It was abstract. Uh, it kind of avoided the big rock peak. Um, I absolutely loved 
the summer tour. Um, if there was one critique I would make is there was a lot of Almond Brothers D major bright peak jamming. Um, that is not a bad thing, but is, uh, for, for my taste, for my preference, I want that kind of darker textural jamming. You get that in that golden age. And it's kind of the reminder that we're in fall tour. And this is when these kind of jams tend to happen. It's a little bit cooler outside where it's October, you know, there's spirits and demons in the air and uh, fish taps into it. It's spooky season. Um, This harkened back for me to the Eugene Ruby Waves from 2021. uh, My favorite jam of that year. Uh, Just got into this like zone that is almost a musical. There's not a ton of melody happening. It's just a lot of conversations under the surface between the band. Um, While the segue into the well could have been a bit more... Uh, a bit softer, if you will, a bit more fluid. I did like the placement of the well at this point in time, bringing us back to an original, having this uh, combo of a very, very new song with You Enjoy Myself to end the set, just like cool little set listing there coming out of two covers, two very diverse covers the band plays. Um, Overall, like this like Saturday night, you can press play on birds of a feather and there's really no reason to let up. Um, the last note I'll make is just, you know, the howling, uh, I saw a really, really good version at Dick's absolutely loved that jam. Um, this, I don't think it gets right to there, but it showcased that like this song that at its worst can be kind of an annoying vamp when the band allows that song to breathe and just like, you know, they lean into the dance party nature of it. It it feels like a originally written 2001 where it's just a groove. It's just, you know, funk chords. And when they really lean into that, there's definitely that like kind of fish magic that happens there. And I thought this was a really quality version uh, and a cool spot for it in the encore. 12, 31, 2014 was the last bird's second set opener. Wow. Oh, wow. Cool. That's wow. Long, that's a long, long time, time ago. But I think what you're saying about the Howling Brian is like you can hear them pulling at like the kind of like edges of that song. Like they're yeah. they're wanting to like pull it out. I think they did a better job of dicks, but the song rips and everybody needs to just get on board for it. Okay. You the <laughs> fact that I send a sci-fi soldier song is hilarious, but but I do. I think this song always is so much fun. This is like if you're at the show, this song is great. And if you don't like the show song at the show, then I don't know why you're there because this is so fun. Like this is a blast. And I also just want to say that Cinnamon Girl has been played five times, I think. I saw one. Five times, excuse me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I you saw, saw one? one? I saw one. You both it's have seen Baker's one? Mm-hmm. That was at the Baker's Dozen. Oh, yeah. And that was that the night. first one in almost precisely 20 years. Yeah. So yeah. Shoreline 97 was the last exactly. yeah. one. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like two and years. And then off, one in 89 and one in 97. Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. They play this in 89. That is some yeah. crazy fish stats that right? I'm not aware of. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then not again until 97. Neil Young was cool in 89, too. Very. Always. Yeah. Well, always. Um, do you guys have any any suggestions um, for those folks going to Dayton besides having fun and, you know, not getting arrested? <laughs> predictions or suggestions? No predictions. I'm going to make a dumb prediction, even though I said that I don't make predictions. (laughs) I'll make a dumb prediction. Um, I think the best show of this tour, this run, whatever you want to call it, is going to come in Dayton. I think um, they've played played Dayton twice 
or three times in the last 26 years, 1130, and 718.97. All three of those shows are outstanding. We get our first two-night run at Dayton, I think, ever. Um, wow. And I'll even throw, hell, 1117.94, my very first fish tape from uh, the Hare Arena in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, it just seems to be these like out-of-the-way Rust Belt cities in the East Coast or East Coast, Midwest, you know, just really have always catered to fish. I love that we get a midweek two-night run here. And I think that based on how they played in Nashville, short little ride up to Ohio, uh, familiar-esque type setting for the band. Um, it's tweezers on the board. I mean, there's just a lot that uh, I, th- I think we're going to get a really good show here, either Tuesday or Wednesday. That's a good. That's a good call. I wish I could go. I know. That's all. Because it it kind of hurts me that I can't go see them in Chicago. Uh, Does it hurt you? You can't go see them in Ohio? Yeah, but Dayton's like a Mm -hmm. different country from, you know, northern Ohio. But this would be like if they played Springfield for me. Okay. Yeah. But I would like to go still. I mean, I saw the 97 show, obviously, and that's the only show I've seen there. So here we go. Bill. Bill is going. Shout out to Bill. 11, 17, 94 is first show that, that Forbin's vibrational life wow. mockingbird. Uh, if you need something to spin this morning and you want to hear fish at their zaniest, I would cue that up on re-listen because, uh, it made 16 year old me a lifelong fish fan for better or worse. Speaking <laughs> of 1994 first shows yesterday was the 29th anniversary of my first show. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So I'm old. You're not old at all. Congrats. Nope. You're not old. Thank you. Um, that is, wow. All right. Well, that's something. I'm excited. I'm it's excited that about happened. that, Jonathan. I'm, um, I'm proud of us. We just did three shows in just a little over an hour. That was efficient. Yeah. That was good for us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in live. And for those of you listening, hope uh, hope hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back with some Dayton recaps in some way, shape, or form later this week. But I think that's it for now. I hope everybody has a good week. Um, all you guys going to the going to the show. Just don't get arrested and have fun. I drink. Have fun, everyone. I drink. See Bye. you guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.